that after the cancer has actually been harder for me than going through the cancer. That's fascinating. Is it because of expectations? Yes. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Today is extra, extra special guest, Rachel Espedicota, my daughter. Rachel, how are you doing? Good. How are you? And we were just talking. It's been how long since you were on the show? Like five years. Confidence. She talks confidence. And I've been talking on the show for those since I've started this, what, three or four sessions ago and talked about how I got to where I was at, why I work with women, why confidence is a big thing and a lot of it has to do with you and your journey through I mean this is like from day one up through being a teenager young woman college trying to figure out your path motherhood at the ripe old age of what 20 21 22 22 (laughs) and then into the leukemia and the cancer and and that huge test Mm -hmm. that you had So that's why I wanted to bring you on the show, because I think your journey is unique, but it's something that from an empathetic point of view, you can really relate to other people that have gone through this. And I don't think anybody who hasn't gone through it can relate to the degree that you can. Yeah. So what I'd like to talk about is your journey with confidence or lack thereof, or the shattering of that, or uncertainty from the beginning of learning about the leukemia, the first part, then going into dealing with the situation at hand, controlling the fear, or dealing with the fear, gain some, or learning to generate the level of confidence that you need in order to get up and fight every single day, because it was a fight. Yeah. At the time when it happened, I was already going through a lot of stress with work and I was working like 60 hours a week. I was working a lot of nights. I wasn't getting very good sleep to begin with. So I was already kind of in a stressful state. But um, the day I found out that I had leukemia, um, I think automatically I just went into fight or flight mode. I didn't even really think about my confidence. I just wanted to survive. The confidence part didn't really hit me until I started losing my hair. And that was like a huge thing for me. Why was the hair? I mean, you have cancer, you know, you have cancer, you had the diagnosis, but the hair I know, cause I was there and I helped you through that process. That was a big deal for you. Yeah. It was a huge deal. Why was that such a big deal? For in one aspect, it made it real. Like it made the fact that I was going through cancer real. And another aspect would be the fact that like my hair made me feel really confident as a woman having hair, having have long hair because I had long hair. um, It just made me feel good about myself. And when I started losing it, I felt like I was a lose. I was losing a part of of who I was, and at the same time, I was losing a part of who I was. I was realizing, wow, this is actually happening. So I feel like the combination of those two made it really difficult for me. 
And completely, would you say it, it completely took your foundation out from under you? Yeah. That you kind of live. And then, so we have the hair situation happening. You're going through chemotherapy mm-hmm. at the same time. You're in the hospital away from your kids, from your husband, from everybody, me. So you've got all that happening. How did you do it? A lot of crying. (laughs) No, I feel like every day I had to wake up and choose to make that day what it was. I either could choose to, you know, be positive about the situation or make the most positivity I could out of it. Or I could choose to be depressed and sulk and... I woke up every day and some days were not a day that I choose positive, you know, all the time. But I woke up and I said, okay, today I'm going to do the best that I can do with what I have. And obviously I could not have gotten through it without you and Josh and our family and all of the support from friends. I think that played like a huge role in my healing is uh, the community that I had around me to kind of build me up. So Pinky Swear, right? Were you confident that you were going to be okay every day? Um, no, I wasn't. So how did you reconcile those feelings? How did you get to the point? Because I can tell you from my perspective, you were a fighter. You did a great job. There were always, there were the low times. Yeah. Uh, There were the bad days. Yeah. So what was it and how did you rally on that? What did you, was it something you were thinking? Was it something that you were feeling? Was it a physical ritual that you were going through? What was it, the things that got you back to baseline, that got you back to a level of confidence and a level of, you know, I guess safety within yourself or surety or certainty that you were going to kick this thing's butt and be okay. Yeah. I think it's actually a couple of things. The first thing is, um, I decided to journal every morning. So as soon as I woke up, I would journal. Um, I would, you know, meditate. I would pray. I would just find myself in a positive headspace and journaling and getting my feelings out and, writing about things that I was excited about for when I was better, writing about people that I loved, writing about, you know, experiences throughout my journey that were positive, like meeting new families and new nurses and having them share their experience with me. Um, That really helped. Um, The second one were the meditations you had me do. (laughs) Okay, for the record, I didn't have you do them. Well, you did, but I'm but, very grateful for them. Like, at first, I didn't really understand, but it was a book that you had given me mm-hmm. all about how to meditate through cancer. And um, I had had you do the voice recordings for them. Yes. But yeah, that brought, that honestly brought a lot of comfort to me, especially while I was going to sleep and I didn't have anyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would visualize... Um, with my eyes closed every night as I was going to bed, um, all of the bad blood in my body just completely leaving and this beautiful light just like shining through my body and replacing all of the bad cells with good ones. And I would continually every night repeat the same 
type of um, meditation, manifestation, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think that I manifested a lot of my healing. I think everyone is put in a position when you have cancer to choose to either manifest healing and a part of you could even manifest it, I, I suppose, not working out. And every case is different and some cases don't have um, the luck that I had. I feel really grateful in my situation, but I think that your mindset has to do with so much. You mentioned three extremely powerful tools, the journaling, mm-hmm. the meditation, and the, I always call it the, the you know, the movie in your head yeah. type of thing, visualization really. And if you can combine those three things or at least use one or two of them, it's incredible how powerful that is to reframe your mind because ultimately all we're talking about when we're talking about confidence, like true confidence, yeah. not like confidence, like I call it lowercase C confidence, which is just situational. If you don't know how to play the piano and somebody puts you in front of a piano, you're not going to have any confidence because you're not competent in the piano. But true confidence is the essence of it's the it's just it's the embracing of your true self without any, you know, warts and all. Yeah. Working with that, with the movie in your head, it's key because if that is not on the right track with you being true to yourself, if that's something that is going to play like a like a horror movie in your head or worst case scenario, you're being inconsistent with who you are, number one. And the second thing is you'll manifest that. Not exactly, right? Because right. it's not like the things you think in your head, all of a sudden they come true. That negative energy, and if you keep running that in your head over and over and over, it impacts every thought process and every decision and then ultimately every action you take. Yeah. So you could have easily gone way down in the dumps sitting yeah. at the hospital. And I know you did on certain days. Oh yeah, it was not all peaches and cream. No. And I and I and I do recall a couple times being there to where there was some good news. Yeah. There was some improvement. Mm-hmm. And then there was a downslide. Yeah. And then you had to handle not only the bad news but feeling terrible. Did you continue to play the movie? that good movie in your mind during those times. The night I was admitted to the hospital, I got assigned my first oncology nurse and her name was Lonnie. And she took my hand and sat down next to me. And she um, was actually a stage four lymphoma survivor herself who stayed in that hospital during her treatment and then decided she wanted to work there and help other people. And she took my hand and said, you have one of two options. You can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a fighter. And that will determine how the story goes for you. And I will never forget it. It is constantly in my head, not just from that, you know, perspective of fighting cancer, but I take that with me wherever I go now. And I tell that to myself all the time in different situations. Do you consider that a pillar of your confidence? It's a huge pillar of my confidence. Mm -hmm. So given that, given your experience, and maybe give everybody an update now in terms of how, how long has it been and how you're doing and do you still deal with downtimes? Yeah. Based on that. It's been almost four years. I'm doing really well right now. I feel like this past year was a huge shift as far as me finally starting to have more energy 
and starting to feel like I can do more things. I think the hardest part for me, which I still struggle with, I think I always will, which I've just come to accept, is I think as soon as it was over, or not over, but you know, as soon as my treatment was done and I was told, okay, like you can go home, you need to rest, and then, you know, you, you you're good. Automatically was like, okay, cool. When am I going to start feeling like I did before? Like, how come I'm waking up after ten hours of sleep and I'm still exhausted? Or how come my parts of my skin look different than they did before? Like, I thought those rashes were going to go away after my treatment. Or how come after I like hike up a few flights of stairs, I'm out of breath, but I'm better now, right? And before I was able to do so much more. So I was like constantly comparing my my new healed self to my prior healthy self. And that was and is the hardest part, I think, for me. The the after the cancer has actually been harder for me than going through the cancer. That's fascinating. Is it because of expectations? Yes. Having confidence in terms of who you are now versus who you used to be and shedding those expectations. How do you do it? Slowly. (laughs) It was hard at first because my body had changed a lot. You know, I was put straight into menopause. So that for a woman is life-changing in itself. So menopause at 30, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It took a lot. I would choose parts of myself that I loved every day And I made a plan of how I was going to work on it. And things don't happen overnight. And I definitely have not been able to bounce back like I was my prior self. But I'm learning to accept and love the parts of myself that are healthy. I'm learning to love and accept the parts of myself that are not perfect. Because my body got me through one of the hardest things anyone could go through in life. And um, I'm here. And I think that in itself is a huge win and boost of confidence. What would be your most valuable nugget of advice that you would give somebody that's not just going through a, a severe cancer issue that is up against something huge in her own life? and is starting to have those doubts or having unrealistic expectations and can't dig out of where she's at? I would say first baby steps because it's really important to know that this is not a sprint. It's a marathon and it will get better. That's what I would tell them. I think like when you're in that situation, you think that what is is what is and it, nothing's going to change and like oh man i started going to the gym again but my body's not changing why is that well you know i have a bunch of other things my body's trying to deal with at the same time so or like am i ever going to feel energized again you know i would if someone's going through something similar i would just say to keep showing yourself compassion and love to find little things in every day that bring you joy because that's so important. And to 
work on visualization to help you get to where you want to go. The one thing that I and Josh, your husband, we worked on a lot was to support you getting to that and being okay with being sick, being okay with being in the hospital, being okay with not being around your kids, being okay with not being able to do the things that you have expectations that you should have been doing at that time. Right. That was the key is to get you to accept it, surrender to the process, surrender to what is and just be okay with it. And then, like you said, take the baby steps out Yeah, and start working on it. I also didn't mention that laughing helps a lot. (laughs) Playing games helped a lot. You know, I didn't mention those things, but I honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I feel like I laughed as much as I cried in the hospital. We had some good We tried. Yeah, we tried. Yeah, that was the point. That was, you know, that was my role in going there was obviously to kick it, you know, just be somebody in the room go back and forth and eat my watch, food, watch shows. <laughs> yeah. They had great coffee and you wouldn't eat all your food. I didn't want it to go to waste. That was so, great. So I figured, you know, why not? But, but keeping the spirits up, the energy up. Yeah. And also, also continually supporting you in your, in your stuff. Yeah. And not sugarcoating it, not glossing over it. That's a huge thing. I think that when somebody, when supporters get in or, and it, there's a situation like this or you have your best friend or whatever and they gloss over things or they keep telling you, oh, you're great, you're amazing, you're going to be great. But that's, it's, it makes it worse sometimes. Yeah. Instead of just acknowledging the fact that the person is where they're at. Mm-hmm. Supporting the person as they are. Yeah. Warts and all, you know, in, yeah. their, in their stuff. And understand and, and allowing them to know that you're there for them. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, that's the key thing in terms of being from a supportive aspect, from a best right. friend or a dad or a family aspect. Right. Yeah. So is there one ritual or one habit that you feel as though is very effective to get the mind right, like right from the get go at the beginning of the day? visualization taking whatever you're thinking if it's a negative thought and flipping it you know um instead of you know oh man i feel like crap this morning i i i bet you today is just gonna suck saying oh i feel like crap this morning but today's gonna be an awesome day because i'm going to see some people that i love And I'm going to get a ginger ale because I actually really looked forward to that. (laughs) It's It's the little things. No, no, it is. It is. It's the little things. The little things. Oh, totally. My coffee every morning, man. I I just, that's (laughs) like, I feel the amazing. I'm going to watch some trashy reality show. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> but you know, I still, I, I just these are all the little things yeah, that really I, yeah. kept me going. But I think the biggest thing of all is every single day, I would make plans with people for when I got better. Hmm. I'd say I had a couple friends getting married that year. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, if if you don't feel up for it, and I'm like, no, I'm going to be there. I'm coming to that wedding and we're going to dance all night. Or I would tell the kids like, hey, when I get better, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We'd watch the Food Network. And I used to sit there and say, because I, I couldn't eat much. 
and I did not have an appetite. But I would sit there and watch that show and say, oh my God, when I get better, I'm going to make that at home and we're going to eat it. Or I cannot wait to try this food when I feel better. And all of those things saying when I feel better instead of if I feel better or if I make it, when I make it and reframing that changed me. And I think as weird and crazy as this sounds, going through what I went through on the other side of it, I feel like the quality of my life is so much better now. I feel more joy in things that I didn't before. I wouldn't ever want to say I'm grateful for going through what I went through, but it's a part of me that I would never want to get rid of. Which makes a lot of sense because you never want to be grateful that you had cancer. Right. right. It, it's kind of a way to, to compartmentalize it to it, it was, it did. And you did. Yeah. And it, it, it is a part of you and it continues to be a part of you. A lot of people try to just push it in a box and bury it mm-hmm. forever, but you can't. It, it will, will always, always be, be there. there, right? It'll and always be there. And you have to figure out a way to work a- through it. Acknowledge it. And my analogy has always been, it's like, you know, going into the room of memories and, and every time you go in there to get one, you, you're, it's dark and you trip over this box. Yeah. And you just, and you keep tripping over this box and it keeps interrupting things and it keeps being a nuisance to you. Yeah. It, it'll never go away. The box oh, will no. never go away. But what you can do is you can pick the box up, acknowledge it, and then put it on a shelf. To where anytime you go into that room, it's there. Yeah. And you can see it. You can acknowledge it, but you're not tripping over it. Right. It's not creating issues for you in your life. Yeah. And this past year, I think, is the first year that I've been able to dive deeper into talking about it and not be overwhelmed with emotions. So I say yeah, that's a win. <laughs> that is a total win because ultimately, really, you're it's a, you're grieving the loss of your prior self. Yeah. And then celebrating your new self and it's wonderful fashion the way that it is. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank for you. Coming in. I wanted to get you on the show for a while now. And I think this new this new format is perfect for your story and for everything. And I'm still trying to convince you to, to get a talk going and go out there and like create something. I know. I need to write. I think you should. I need to do it. Early. I think you should. Thank you so much for letting me share. You are welcome. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.